Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. Woken from a thousand generation, dreamless slumber from beneath the Earth's surface, I'm joined today by Marta Wesselhoff. How's it going, Marta? It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for referencing my sketch video in that intro. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, talk talk all about that in a second. Oh, it's actually my first question here. So oh. um, I was actually first introduced to you while uh, researching past guest Ronald Dario in your short video match. What can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, I, I actually listened to Ronald's episode and pretty much like the exact same story that he had for it. Um, it was a sketch that I had written for a sketch two class at um, Blind Tiger. So the second level of the sketch classes, we had to write a solo sketch. And so that was my solo sketch that I wrote. Yeah, I just loved it so much. But I really wanted to do a video because I'm really obsessed with weird like 90s video dating ads. There's tons you can find on YouTube and they're just so bizarre and borderline sad um and I thought it'd be fun to do like a a chud who was coming up from underneath the earth's surface to find love to procreate that's a cannibal humanoid underground dweller yes yes um yeah so I I had done that live a few times and then Ronald had seen it and talked to me about it and I was like hey I know you do, do a lot of video things I would love to collaborate on this and he was immediately on board um, yeah, so we filmed it together at the Vancouver Public Library. So that was, was it your idea to do this sort of uh, Doug Pound aesthetic? I had given him some notes on what I kind of wanted, um, and he and I were really aligned. But for the most part, I told him, like, I have full trust, creative control. Um, he and I have very, very similar comedic sensibilities of what we like. So I think I kind of had a lot of faith, and he blew it out of the water. He did an incredible job. It was, like, way better than I thought it would be, which is great. We'll post that on the... Uh on the website and the episode page for this. I think we actually posted on Ronald's one as well, but uh, it'll be on there. Excellent. Yeah, Ronald's so funny. He's uh, We're doing intro one uh, mm. at the moment, and he's the teacher. That's awesome. How is he as a teacher? He's really good. It's a little weird because I have like a small history with him, mm-hmm. and, having interviewed him, and I'm thinking, like, I came from such a... Uh, when I interviewed him, I had just no authority to be doing it, Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that he's teaching me improv. But I think there's a difference between like doing improv and doing a podcast. I yeah, think for sure. They can be different uh, streams of comedy. Although hopefully you know. that'll make me better. Hopefully. Be a, a little ad for a Blind Tiger comedy there. It's yes. Blind Tiger we're doing, right? It must be. Yeah. yeah we're doing Blind Tiger. If Ronald is teaching you, you're doing Blind Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, so you also make co- some comedy songs on YouTube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite of those? Um, oh boy. I think my favorite one that I've done was I did Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues, but I just changed it to be all about trains. I wrote that down as that was my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. I every so often will just get like a really stupid idea in my head of something I want to do and I'll be home alone and just like, I've got a mic. I know how to sort of play guitar. I know how to do audio editing. And I'm just like, let's just do something stupid and fun. So yeah, I did that, and then I did that steamed hams meme, the like scene from The Simpsons, which listening to the episode with Brett Skillen, he talked about how much he hates those memes, Yeah, <laughs> which I found very funny because Brett's like, I love working with Brett, and we work together a lot, so I enjoyed hearing that he hates what I like. Um, did yeah, you and- know about that you had done that? Had you done that already when that episode was I had. recorded? I had. I don't know if he knows about it. Well, I'm talking to him um, next week. So. Are you? Perfect. Yeah. Great. We'll hear what he has to say. Yeah, so I did it in the style of uh, the Mountain Goats, who are one of my favorite bands, because I just thought, why not do a stupid thing? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, when I asked Shirley Gnome for her advice on people that want to get into comedy songwriting, she said, just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool that you uh, just have a dumb idea and then just pump it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of my biggest... Uh, I guess kind of sources of inspiration um, is there's a show that it hasn't happened here in a while called Weird Al Karaoke um, hosted by Brent Constantine and Shane McLean who Shane now lives in Toronto which is why it's not happening but it's basically comedians come up and write parody songs and perform them live. I did it for the first time for my birthday two years ago. I did a Carly Rae Jepsen song that I changed to be about Steve Buscemi and how I have a crush on Steve Buscemi. Uh, and I just like fell in love with doing that because Weird Al was one of my earliest comedic influences as a kid. So 
I just love, I think song parody is a really good warm up for writing sketch as well. Because you're kind of taking something existing, you've got an existing shell and you're just replacing words um, and finding something funny there. So is that part of your sketch writing process? I've used it actually as my sketch writing process. Sometimes I'll be like doing, if I was prepping for a Weird Al karaoke show, um, writing out a song, come up with an idea and be like, oh, I'm going to like make a note of that and write a sketch later. Generally though, my process is I keep notes, I keep a notebook and if I don't have my notebook, I have my phone and I just take notes of really weird things I see during the day or like... Sometimes I'll, I walk to work, to and from work every day, and I'll think of something on my walk there and like kind of write it out and get like the shell of an idea and then uh, take some time to just sit down and flesh it out a bit more. So speaking of your work, you work previously and some would say currently in support roles professionally. Yes. Do you have any horror stories? I don't have any huge like horror stories that I can talk about at least just because there's a lot of confidentiality. But today we got a spam email sent to our support team Um, that one of the support managers sent to me, um, where someone had just sent a mass, like a phishing link out, but the link was hidden in an email, and the email was just the final three paragraphs of The Return of the King. That's amazing. Yeah. It was so, like, um, Danae Campbell, past guest, um, she works with me as well, um, and she sent it to me. She's like, is this Lord of the Rings fan fiction? I was like, no, no, no. This is just straight up the ending of Lord of the Rings. It ends with like Samwise Gamgee going back and saying, well, I'm back. Yeah, it was, it delighted me. Talia, yeah. do you want to, do you want to turn on mic three? You got a, a funny anecdote about a scam happening to you right now. Oh yeah. I Ooh, I love hearing about scams. Okay. So my, my scam, I was very excited, but it turned out not to be true. I woke up and I had Nathan Fielder had started following me on Twitter <laughs> So for the listeners who don't know, please just go and watch Nathan for you. I'm not even going to tell you about it. Just do it. It's going to get a huge bump after hearing that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nathan, if you're listening, Vancouver local. Give, us some, give us some cred. Anyway, so I was like, oh, wow, this can't be real. And I went onto the profile and all of his tweets were there, but he had like two followers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, well, this is obviously fake. But then I got a message and it was along the lines of, Hello, I hope you are well and family. Thank you for your support. God bless you more. (laughs) And so my instant thought was, okay, this is either fake or this is part of his show. And I've just luckily been someone that's like been randomly selected. I'm going to go along with it. (laughs) So I responded. I was like, hi, Nathan. Thank you so much for your for your comedy and your small business advice. It has helped my family greatly god bless you even more and then it just went on to the him responding asking for personal contact details etc i was like no i'm sorry twitter is the only place that i can talk to you and then they stopped so sadly not the real nathan um but you know so you got catfished by someone i did i did catfished by nathan yeah you could pick anyone yeah yeah it is really specific hey another target i don't know how they do it i'm gonna try and get some girls contact info and i'm gonna pretend to be nathan fielder to do it he's gonna he's gonna pull you in yeah all right i'm out all right thank (laughs) Thank you for sharing that speaking of people's personal info when i was researching you today uh this hasn't happened before and i i dig deep in that i'll go to page two or three of google yeah and this website came up that uh don't worry you look nervous but it's nothing like that (laughs) i don't know what it is it was like it had enough info about you on there in that you had lived in colorado and it had like your age and occupation and then you could keep going through more steps and it would try and find more info and pretend like it was it wasn't feeding me any info and then at the at the end of it i was just like seeing what it was going to do and then, and then it had to like enter all this information and your credit card information to get the full report on Martin Wesselhoff. What website is that? I'll try and find it for you after, but that's the first time I've come across that, which is weird because I've, you know, it's... researched over twenty people now yeah. for this. You should post that like as a warning. Yeah, that's terrifying. Or put it, put it in your portfolio. Want to find out more about me? Yeah, and then ask for a cut. It's just LinkedIn. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, your portfolio is just LinkedIn. Oh no, that website that you were on is just LinkedIn. Right. <laughs> they do up. ask they do ask for money. They're like, you know, six people have been looking at your profile. Like, yeah. It could be Jeff Bezos. We don't know. I could. I don't want him looking at my profile. No, I, I just want him trying to stop Superman. Yes. 
so back to your support job. We'll get off that soon. Do you, does that bleed into your comedy at all? Not really. No. I try to keep work. Like when I'm not at work, I'm not at work 100%. Like I don't even check work emails or Slack or anything. I'm just done. I do work with two other comedians, Danae Campbell and Richard Lott, both of whom I was in Proud of You, the sketch group with. So we kind of like every so often if we're writing, we'll like get together at lunch and just like riff on things. But that's pretty much the only kind of intersection. I've never really like written comedy about doing customer support because... I don't know. For me, it's just like a job. It's not like a fun story job. It's just yeah. like a thing. Well, I was more yeah. thinking of, uh, so we have a Slack channel mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not a part of because it got too spammy. It's called Are You For Real? And it's all the support members and they post screen caps of the, oh, wow. of like the really nuts Yeah, we have that. Customers. We have like, a, a, we call it party chat in Slack um, where we'll just post weird customers. But yeah, it's it's nothing like too wild. It's just like, it's a lot of typos and names. It's pretty mild stuff. Right. Yeah. So I guess let's separate your work and comedy life right now and move right on from that. Uh, tell us about your participation in the Cannes Festival. Yeah. Uh, so Blind Tiger hosted this festival called the Cannes Festival um, where they asked a bunch of comedians to participate. And basically you had one week to write a full 20 minute sketch show based on audience prompts. So the audience would suggest things and then vote on things. And we had a list of what we had to include in the show. Uh, I got asked to participate in it in like June or July because they were initially going to do it in July. And then it just got pushed back to September. Um, So it was kind of just sitting there for a while. And then when it came up, I got an email from Blind Tiger being like, hey, it's time. It was like, oh, yes. okay, let's let's go. Let's do this. But yeah, it was maybe the most hectic writing experience of my life. I opted to do a solo show. Um, Most people did duos. And I still don't know if it was a good idea because by the end of it like I got home and just like fell face first onto my bed just like um because I was just so exhausted because I was working also I'm in school so working doing classes part-time and then just like trying to like crush this whole 20 minute sketch show but yeah I think it turned out pretty well it was it was a very fun experience um I ended up forgetting most of my lines on stage and just improvised it and uh won the uh, what was it? The Artist Choice Award, where the other performers just voted on who they liked the best. And they fully acknowledged that I got the pity vote because I was alone. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. I will accept that. That's almost the most prestigious award, though. I think so. The pity award? Yeah. Well, I, I, I more mean the uh, accolade of your peers. Yeah. Yeah. No, that and that felt very good, too. I think they were pretty sincere as well, which was nice. I saw something cool you did a while ago, the girl with the ear bleeding. Oh my God, you're digging deep into my art school (laughs) history. Um, Yeah, I went to, um, the reason I moved to Canada from the States was to go to Emily Carr University for photography. And I was really a big fan of that Vermeer painting, The Girl with the Pearl Earring. But I also have had this, like, when I was in art school, I had this running theme up to my thesis project about black metal because I was just so fascinated by, like, the aesthetic of it. And I grew up in a very religious home. So coming from like a pretty religious upbringing to like, hey, here are these dudes who are putting insane makeup on their faces and burning churches down was like, cool, what do they, what else do they do? And so, yeah, I decided to do a uh, photo, a self-portrait of myself as the girl with the pearl earring, but I put on full black metal face paint. And just instead of having a pearl earring, it was my ear was bleeding. And it ended up the author of the the girl with the pearl earring book I think her name is Tracy Chevalier she sent me a message saying like hey I'm going on this like tv show where I'm talking about or it was it was like a live lecture series where I'm talking about uh interpretations of Vermeer's art can I use this and I was like yeah sure you wrote a book that a Scarlett Johansson movie was made from so she sent me a copy of her book like a little signed copy Um, I still have not read it I haven't even watched the movie but yeah. I haven't watched the movie either, yeah. but I'm a big fan of Amir. Have you mm-hmm. seen the documentary Tim's Amir? No, I have not. Uh, it's really good. It's uh, It was very validating for me as someone who's worked a lot in digital art in that the, the whole sort of moral of the documentary is that the process doesn't matter so much as the product mm-hmm. when it comes to art because, you know, people say like, oh, you're cheating if you use a computer, which is absurd in, in this day and age because there are some art historians who believe through... Uh, scientific replication that how Vermeer was able to 
paint with such realism and bright color is he used a series of lenses and mirrors mm-hmm. to paint sort of pixel by pixel. Have you seen that? Yeah, kind of like a camera obscura. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you're interested in this, listen, just watch the documentary. It's made by Pendulette, however you feel about him. And it's sort of like when you would do one of those grid drawings where you split a... Uh, hang on, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting getting off on a, a huge tangent here, but... <laughs> So they think Vermeer would just hold this lens in the way that it was projecting the image that he was trying to paint, and he would move it around. And I'm talking with my hands like an idiot, but uh, would paint <laughs> almost like the pixel in the same color that was on the lens yeah. below it until he would create this image. And it's yeah, it's a it's it's heartwarming in a way. So uh, you mentioned Emily Carr. You're trained yeah. in photography. Mm-hmm. How did that turn into comedy? Um, if it, at all. it didn't at all. Um, I got this photography degree. I threw out my f- whole, like all four years there. I was like, I'm going to focus on analog photography and like film and printing in the dark room because this is the integrity that I want as an artist. Turns out there's no jobs for that if you don't go in and learn digital. So I learned like a little bit of like Photoshop and stuff, but for the most part, I was 100% darkroom, which was very cool as an experience to have to be like, yeah, here's these photos that I made by huffing a bunch of chemicals that probably have had a huge effect on my brain. So maybe that that led to the comedy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> is all did. of the development chemicals. Um, well, I, I feel kind of stupid preceding this section with uh, talking about the product versus process debate <laughs> in art, and now you're going into talking about darkroom photography. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, it, it but yeah, it. Uh, it didn't lead to anything really in comedy that do you, I found. Do you still do photography? Not really. No, it's kind of fallen off. I think it kind of got like beat out of me in art school because I was doing so much of it. And it was just like I took it very like seriously, even though I was doing kind of like tongue in cheek style images. When you spend a ton of time in a dark room in art school, you tend to meet the most uh, pretentious people. And I say that with a lot of love because I love most of no, I love all the people I went to art school with. I didn't make any enemies there. But yeah, you tend to meet people who take their art very, very seriously. Um, yeah, but I think taking it so seriously for so long, I kind of just stopped enjoying it, um, which I'm okay with. I'm not angry about that. I had good experiences. It My minor Photoshop abilities got me a couple of jobs, just like in graphic design, which moved into customer support. And it got me a ticket to stay in Canada. So and yeah. that works. Yeah, exactly. It's worth it. If you don't mind me asking, what are you studying now? Um, I'm going to school for psychology now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot more crossovers with comedy there. Definitely. And that was kind of partly why I was interested in it, because I know like there's tons of comedians, myself included, who deal with issues with mental illness. And I've always been fascinated by that. I remember being a kid and learning that Drew Carey had depression. And I was like, how is that possible? He's a comedy man. And... Yeah, now that I am a comedian and a person with depression, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, it makes sense. Of course. Of course, we're all fucked up in the head. Does that help with your writing at all, the yeah. psychology school? I think so, yeah. Um, I'm learning a lot more about, like, how the brain works, which is very, very interesting. I'm still only in my, like, first semester, so it's still kind of early days. But, like, I think just learning about how brains work for me has got me thinking about, like, what what are we stimulated by? Like what sort of, what are our senses doing and how do our senses process things? I haven't fully been able to work that into comedy yet, but I would like to eventually. Is there any, and I, I know there would be, but specifically that you, you know about any neurological research into comedy? I think there probably has been. I haven't looked too deeply into it. It's been something I've been interested in looking into. I mean, they talk about like in the classes I've taken so far, there's some talk about like humor and like here's where humor is processed in the brain. But yeah, I'm I'm sure there's been studies on it. There have to have been. When do you think we'll get the first comedian AI that sells out shows? Ooh. We've already had Funnybot. What's Funnybot? Um, do you know that um, robot on South Park that the Germans make? Yeah. yeah. The South Park German joke robot. I guess I don't know, but I'm going to have to cut this out because I can never pick it yeah, up when you... Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. 
<laughs> I don't want to stop you from talking. I just I always feel bad when I have to cut out your anecdotes because they sound like nothing. <laughs> now, where was I? This reminded me of an idea that I'm going to tell you about now that I can never pull off now that I'm saying it publicly on air. I thought it would be a really cheap way to get therapy is to find a, a psychiatrist or psychologist who wants to do a podcast and oh. do that podcast with them. And then all the files got corrupted. So you have to keep re-recording and... <laughs> yeah, and you just, you could probably get like, like we're going to record five, five one-hour episodes about psychology before, so we've got a buffer. And then you could get away with five free therapy hours by doing that. Yeah, you could. I hope someone pulls that off. I hope so. That person would have to be really okay with having, because like ethically, a psychiatrist or a psychologist is not able to talk about what you talk about in the room unless I think if you have intent to harm yourself or others or you are involved in a criminal court case those are the only times that a psychiatric professional can release your files what about if but I think they waive confidentiality that's what I that's what I'm thinking I think as long as you're like okay with everyone in the world knowing you're although I guess you don't even have to release it do you yeah, so on a different tack, in four, <laughs> four years from now, I'm thinking of starting a psychology podcast if you'd Perfect. like to. Uh... Yeah, no, that sounds great. I'm in. I'm All right, in. cool. Well, let's, uh, let's pencil that in. Excellent. For anyone on CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Marta. Are you a new DM? Are you an experienced DM? Doesn't matter. Listen to DMs of Vancouver for great DMing advice. Before the show, I asked... Is it weird how I pronounce your, your name, Marta? No. Because uh, there's a lot of people that can't understand my accent, which I find weird. And so I have to really pronounce R's and T's. No. Um, and you've got an R and a T right next to each other. Yeah. But anyway, Mata. I, I know. Asked, I know many accented people, so it's not. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even think my accent was that like. No, the people who say that are just lazy. Yeah. Yeah, they're just not trying. Yeah, it's like my my parents who anytime they watch something with a British accent or or an Australian accent have to turn on subtitles. <laughs> like they tried watching Down Abbey, and they were like, "I can't understand these people." It's like what they're talking the most proper accent possible. They can't. They can't like understand English it. Comes yeah. Yeah. They're speaking as slowly and eloquently. Yeah. As they exactly. Can. Uh, so maybe my parents <laughs> will listen to this and just. <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Who is she talking to? Is that a Mr. and Mrs. Wesselhoff? Yes. Well, shout out, shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Shut up, mom and dad. Can't wait to see you when you're visiting in two weeks. <laughs> uh, before the show, I asked Marta about a comedic influence to talk about today, and she came back with Tim Heidecker and Eric Wareheim. So, what did Tim and Eric mean for you? Yeah, I, so I discovered Tim and Eric in, I want to say like 2005, uh, I can't remember what year Tom Goes to the Mayor came out. It was like 2005 or 2006. It's 2005. Very distinct memory. Yeah. We'll yeah. get to that. So yeah, it was, it was around 2006. Um, my brother and I were watching Adult Swim and this show, Tom Goes to the Mayor came on and we were just fascinated by it. We're like, what, what is this weird stationary backgrounds with these people who are they have a weird like that photoshop filter that makes it look like they've been drawn in blue pen like posterized yeah that's yeah exactly like what is this show uh and then we just kind of like fell in love with it awesome show came out in 2007 or 8 i was in 11th grade so 2006 okay yeah cool at least in australia so yeah who knows yeah yeah i think it was 2006 yeah so awesome show came out and that just like Something about it just pushed every single button for me. It was super weird. It was really gross. They just had this like really weird like kind of public access aesthetic that I have always kind of gravitated towards. Just the like really low budget sets, people who they're they're background actors who just don't know how to act, just random people standing there giving lines to to say and they're doing a horrible job. And yeah, I don't know what it was about the show, but it just like drew me in and I've been obsessed with Tim and Eric ever since. So it's fair to say that might have influenced your video match. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I know in Ronald's episode, he talked about DJ Doug Pound's editing and that's a big part of it is like that style of editing because it's just so like, it's so quick and strange and just like it lingers too long on some shots and it goes really fast on other shots and it's, it's, 
it's almost like a manic style of editing, I want to say, um, where it just like sometimes it goes very slow and sometimes it's just like quick, quick, quick. That, yeah, I think is just very cool. It's weird with that, that uh, it seems like really absurd and dumb, but it's an almost scientific kind mm-hmm. of comedy and that they will edit like this needs to go for this exact amount of time or it will become unfunny or it'll become funny again. And they, they need to do that so specifically. Yeah. With yeah. those things. Where did you first come across Tom Goes to the Mayo? Um, it was just uh, watching on Adult Swim. My brother and I um, were very close in age and have like almost the exact same comedic sensibilities. We were all we were really big fans of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, where it was the old Hanna-Barbera character Space Coast doing a talk show. I would and love for that to come back. Uh, that was any like, Adult Swim show. I've I've it holds up. It holds up for sure. But yeah, I think that was like a very early Adult Swim show. I think it was um, the first one. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, because William Street, which is that studio. That and Harvey Birdman. And Harvey Attorney Birdman, Attorney at Law. Yeah, which yeah. was another show that I love. Yeah, and we, so we had watched a lot of just Adult Swim in general. C-Lab was another one that we really enjoyed. And the Adult Swim has this thing where they'll do these really weird promos that are very involved. And they'll have the shows film their own promos and they did a promo for Tom Goes to the Mayor where it was a very early iteration of the Casey and his brother bit from Tim and Eric, where it was Tim Heidecker singing this song about rock and roll while Eric Warheim was just in the background with big sunglasses, just doing a weird like sexy dance. Um, I say sexy with like the biggest air quotes because it was just so bizarre and like still. Eric Warheim has so much sexual energy. So much. Honestly, yes, he does. <laughs> Um, <laughs> whether it whether it lands or not, that's, yeah, uh, he's got I mean, a lot. He's of... got it in himself in a somehow non creepy way. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a he's like a seventies kind of sexy man. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a very good way of putting it. A sexy seventies guy. Yeah. Um, but not in a Burt Reynolds actual way. No. But... In just like a this is a guy I would see like fixing a car. No, you know what it is. He's the neighbor who you would see mowing his lawn wearing cut off shorts. And for some reason, his wife is super hot. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you would just be like this big burly guy and your neighbor just like looking over your sunglasses like, hello, Eric from next door. Yeah, like um, the uh, Schmitz gay ad from... Uh, which one? Oh, uh, the, in, it's an old uh, Chris Farley and Adam Sandler bit from SNL. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I yeah. just had that in my head, the the recurring gif of you have um, Chris Farley looking over his Looking over his sunglasses, sunglasses. yeah. Uh, I want to talk about when I first came across them. This is the first time I said this on air, but uh, I'm a Burns victim. Um, it's not a touchy subject. It's when I was, like, really little. And so periodically I'll go in for surgery. The technology's got a lot better now, so it's not a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. But in 2005, I had my, apart from when the actual incident happened, my biggest surgery because I couldn't lift my right arm above 90 degrees mm-hmm. because of the webbing from the burn. And I had that released in hospital and I was in hospital for like two weeks and then three months of recovery after that. But anyway, when I was in there, uh, I was having like a, like a big pain spike and I got the nurses to come in and they dosed me up with a bunch of morphine and they put Dumbo on. That's um, not the best move. Yeah, they're like, this will take your mind off. Because I was, I was the oldest patient you could be in the children's hospital, mm. which was 15, which I think is actually too old. I think so. Uh, but you've got to be 16 or older to go to the the regular hospital. And so there's just like, I was in the burns ward and there's three other people in my room and they're just burnt kids. And I'm like freaking out on morphine watching Dumbo around three uh, juvenile burns victims. And so I'm not having a very good time. And I'm like reaching over for my channel for like, a, like really struggling because I'm in a mixture of pain and like a shitload of morphine. Mm-hmm. And... I I get it over and I change the channel to Cartoon Network, which I'd been watching a lot recently at that time for the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons, the Gandhi Tartakovsky run, which I think are amazing. They're so good. And Adult Swim came on. And because I was sort of tripping out a bit, I had never seen Adult Swim before. I didn't know what it was. And Space Ghost was on. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was sure I was hallucinating. I was like, that's a character from my childhood. Because I remember like old Hannah Barbera cartoons, like Space Ghost. I'm watching Space Ghost fucking interview someone with like his praying mantis band leader. And then, yeah, and then after that is Harvey Birdman and Tony at Law. And I'm like, I've definitely lost it. And then Tom Goes to the Mayor comes on and I've got no reference level at all. Because that's 
was the first show I remember on Adult Swim that wasn't a parody of an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon. And it was the episode where they do the Ricky Ticky TikTok song. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Should we try and do it now? The Ricky Ticky TikTok? Oh, yeah. God. All right, I'm just going to start. You start it. I'll probably pick up. Ricky Ticky TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Bring, bring, ring a ding ding, ring a ding ding. Ricky TikTok, Ricky TikTok. Ring a ding a ding ding ding. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's remember... stuck in my head. That might not be right, but that's stuck in my it's, head. It because sounds of... accurate. I remember the episode. I don't remember the, like, I, I know many of the tim and eric songs i'm sure you can remember the visual of them doing that i do the like talk yeah for the listener i'm doing a weird robotic dance they can see you yeah they can it's on that website yeah no no it's not (laughs) i know (laughs) we will be doing a live stream podcast in january this is the first you're hearing about it exciting twitch.tv forward slash cave goblins all right let's get back into interviewing marta (laughs) where were we we were talking Uh, about ricky ticky TikTok. yeah yeah you were talking about your terrifying experience where, like, you just had a progressively weirder oh, no, series it, it of things. No, it got better. As soon as Space Ghost came on, I started yeah. feeling better. Oh, and good. Then, yeah, and, and I'm sure that's kind of the virginal experience they, they wanted is mm-hmm. Burns' victim recovering in hospital on morphine. Absolutely. <laughs> watching it. And that's not meant to be a horrific story. It starts horrific for the softening blow mm-hmm. of the end. And, yeah, it was uh, because they don't really understand the plight of a, a child. They put on this cartoon that is really traumatic. <laughs> yeah, like that the the elephants on parade scene. That's the scene is, where I was reaching for the remote control. Because it's terrifying when you're not on morphine. When you are, it's like, what is happening? And here's a question. I don't know if they do this anymore. It's been 13 years. But why was the morphine button next to the TV clicker? I don't know. Um, but what if you don't want more morphine? Yeah, because I have accidentally yeah. given myself a dose of morphine oh, no. I didn't want. And I have had morphine withdrawals, which is why uh, I'm actually grateful for, because when I had my dark stage, I was already scared of heroin. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Because I'd already been through withdrawals when, before I had my dark stage. That's good. But more about you. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite awesome show sketches? Favorite awesome show sketches? I think Celery Man is one of my favorites with Paul Rudd. Oh, I, he plays Tane. I actually have bookmarked uh, a Tane costume for Halloween that I forgot to buy, and then we didn't end up going what? out. So, oh, you can buy a Tane costume? It's not well, just something you put together. It was something I put together. All okay. the separate parts. I see. I see. Yeah. That's uh, incredible. Sorry. Continue. Um, I'm going to see if I can find it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay i understand Don't. um i i like the ones where they get like a really unexpected cameo um like they did they had josh groban on an episode which was a genuine surprise for me because when you think of josh groban you think of like the kids who were in choir in high school who like made out in the band hall all the time i don't know if this is a thing everywhere i went to the a band hall. old boys religious school oh so. okay well the kids making out didn't really Fair talk enough. about it very much. Fair enough. We had like the like the theater kids who would make out and just like obsess with Josh Groban and he had that You Raise Me Up song. And that it was sounds so, great. So inspirational. And then he comes and does this bit with Tim and Eric where it's, uh, again, the Casey and his brother character. The Casey character has died and Josh Groban does a tribute to Casey and just sings a bunch of the songs, but in his like beautiful Josh Groban voice. And they just keep mispronouncing his name. Like, they call him, like, Josh Groban, which is how I insist on referring to him now, is Josh Groban. How often do you get to do that? Oh, daily. Refer to Josh, Josh Groban. <laughs> yeah, I'm best friends with Josh Groban now. <laughs> um, yeah, that one, like, all of the Casey and his brother sketches, I think, are just so bizarre. Yeah, I, I think, and, like, the Steve Rule bits I love as well. The yeah, Rule's they're amazing. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the uh, discount prices. Yes. Prices. I've got prices. I got six ninety nine on sale for three ninety nine. He's got the worst prices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, so Awesome Show was the first place I ever saw Bob Odenkirk. Mm. And also the first place I saw Gal- Zach Galifianakis. And I put in parentheses here that I spelled it right on the first try. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Uh, I think I've done it enough times. But uh, I first saw Zach Galifianakis in there in the sketch where they're all in really short pink uh, bathrobes and they're just having a vodka party that yeah that was actually a, com- a series of commercials they got commissioned to do by absolute really yeah there's like three of them and did they actually get it and they yeah they got oh i think they were like viral because they're right. longer than expected they're but, really unsettling yeah yeah they've they've done a lot of commercial work they did those they did an ad for totino's pizza rolls which is 
I actually was watching it on like before when I was getting ready to come over here. And it's just like that same like Tim and Eric weird aesthetic. They've got a bunch of their weird like regular actors that they get who are just people they found on Craigslist. And it's like an ad, a full like two minute ad for Totina's Pizza Rolls. They also did that ad for uh, Gravy Robbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That classic local business. The classic business. They also do the training videos for Gravy Robbers. On how to steal the gravy. Which are amazing. And then also, uh, obviously, I've tried to watch a... Tried to force Talia to watch with me a compilation of all of the Cinco ads. Oh, man. It's really hard to do. Because there's a lot of diarrhea content. Yeah, and the, the, the food ads. tube. And... The food tube. There's the, the like, pants, the diarrhea pants. Um, there's the one with Bob Odenkirk, the diarrhea cream, where you, if you... I think it's like if you want to give yourself diarrhea, you rub this cream all over your face. It's like thick green paste and then it gives you diarrhea. That sounds really useful, though. The Cinco ads, I think, are genius because they created this whole like branding world of Cinco where it's like everything from like toys to banking to housing solutions. And it's all under the Cinco bubble. And it's like the only corporation that exists in the Tim and Eric universe. Um, I have I went to see them live not the last time they were here, but it was, I think it was like two years ago. Um, and I got a Cinco brand water bottle and I had it at work with me and no one got it until one day one of my coworkers was like, is that a, is that a Tim and Eric thing? And I got so excited because <laughs> it's like so specific. Everyone's like, oh, Cinco five. Cool. No, it's Cinco brand. You should have printed um, off a picture of Node 10. I should have. Yeah. I, I should have printed out a uh, gotten a printout of Oyster Smiling. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I get a nude tane? Error. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I've got next here, check it out with Dr. St- Steve Brule, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, kind of a throwaway character who became a runaway hit. Yeah, totally. I think they probably just didn't expect that they would be able to get John C. Riley in the long run because he's a pretty big name, I think. At Already at All- the time was an Academy Award nominee. Exactly. Yeah. For Was it Chicago he was nominated for? Maybe. I think I think it was best supporting for Chicago. Right. I could be wrong. Um It's weird that like before that he was primarily a dramatic actor. Yeah. I mean I don't know if it wait, is he in he's not in Anchorman. I don't know He's in the second one. I think he's in the second one. I think he's got a cameo, but before that, yeah, it was like Gangs of New York, yeah, uh, Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. But he was funny in Boogie Nights in yeah. a tragic sort of way. Yeah. Like the whole movie. But I remember, so in that live show, did was he there as well? Yes, he was there as Steve Rule. Um, and he, they did this bit where they were trying to find a bride for him. Yeah, I saw and, the same tour. Yeah, and they pulled a girl up on stage and she like slow danced with him and it was so sweet. And then you just saw him whisper something into her ear and she just, sl- and I'm pretty sure he probably just whispered like slap me as hard as you can and run away because she just pulled, looked so upset, smacked him across the face and then ran off stage. And it was like, it, but it looked like it was so seamless the way they did it. It was just an audience participant, but she yeah. was 100% on board. Yeah, it was it was very fun. Uh, the, the weirdest thing about that show for me was when he was doing Skip to My Lou and he did like a conga line. Yeah. And he got everyone up and I'm thinking, this guy's an Academy Award nominee and he's just like dancing around on stage singing Skip to My Lou and mm-hmm. everybody's cheering. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, imagine if you saw like Mel Gibson doing that. <laughs> I would be terrified if I saw Mel Gibson doing that. I have a friend back in Australia who was a, uh, uh, what do you call it, person who deals with props. What do you call it? Prop manager? Is that the Prop right? master? Prop master, that's yeah. it. On Check It Out. Oh, wow. Um, she made the uh, chicken in a can. Oh, God. And um, it's it's real, like, rotisserie chicken and mayonnaise and stuff. And it was sitting oh. on a hot lights all day, and he, and he actually ate it. Oh, no. And he got really sick. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. <laughs> have you uh, seen that, that real canned chicken you can get where you can buy is it a whole chicken it's a whole chicken but it's a small one it's like the size standard can size and then there's just a small whole cooked chicken in it that you can just oh it's already cooked it's already cooked you can eat it straight out of the can you can it's so just dis- like if you if you it's google gelatinous, it i think google it when you are not feeling nauseous at any google point it right now yeah can of chicken can of chicken um it's one of the most disgusting visuals it's it's a horrible thing that exists. Oh yep yep yeah. yep, I remember this. This this uh, gelatinous. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. You still vegetarian, Talia? Yep. Not anymore. Even after the, not yeah. after seeing this. <laughs> that's too 
Yum, yum. Did you ever watch Tim and Eric Billion Dollar Movie? I did. I loved it. Um, I actually watched it the day I went to see them live. Um, one of my friends and I, we hung out at my place, watched it, and then went to go see them. It was like our pregame. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very, like, kind of aligned with the TV show, just in terms of all the gags and stuff they did, but it, not in that public access format that they use in the TV show, just in an actual movie. Yeah, it had a narrative for, yeah. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know about the torrent thing that they did? No. So coming from Australia, the uh, torrenting capital of the world, Mm -hmm. because it's so hard to get anything legally, I torrented it. And something they did is they released all of the, they were seeding all of the torrent files. They released it the same day as the movie, but it was just an hour long movie of Tim Heidecker drunk on a yacht, (laughs) just like having a go at you for being a pirate. Oh my God. It is amazing. That was, they did that. Who did that? I think Madonna did that in like the, like 2005, 2006. Madonna leaked one of her new songs, but it was just so it was advertises her new song on like Napster. Um, but when you opened it up, it was just audio of her saying, like, did you download my song, you motherfucker? And just like getting so angry at whoever downloaded it. So like imagine being like a kid who's like, I don't have money, but I can get the new Madonna song. And then you download it and then it's just Madonna yelling at you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she really was, needs she was having money. a tough time in the 90s there. Madonna. She didn't have much money. No. 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 It was, this was around the time. This was like just before she acquired her fake accent. Which one's the fake accent? The uh, English one? That English one where she like moved. I've never heard her talk in the American accent. Oh, really? I've, I've never looked for it. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I guess I've only heard her talk in the American. Maybe well, they no, do I've that heard thing. in the English, but. You, you would never have experienced this. Uh, well, actually, you might have if, you, if you've done. Have you done much uh, intercontinental traveling? A bit, yeah. So sometimes they'll get American ads and they'll play them, but they'll put the local accent over them. And it is bizarre. And you can always tell when they've done it, like half the ads we got in Australia. Mm -hmm. I remember there was like a, when I was in London and we were watching TV in our hotel and it was just like after the day was done and we were kind of winding down. Um, And there was a Cheerios ad that I had seen previously where they did that. And it was so like, I remember like looking at my partner and being like, is that, is it, is it real? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. I don't. I don't remember. It was kind of like the uh, the Mandela effect. Yeah. Where you don't know if that's how it always was or if it you remember it differently. Have you had any uh, big instances of Mandela effect before? Um, I think the Berenstein Bears one. I know it's like the big one. Which one's the real one? Because I I was AI. I thought it was EI too. That's not what it is. I think it's AI. So we're sharing the, the Berenstain is how it supposedly always has been. For the listeners who don't know, Marta, why don't you uh, explain what the Mandela effect? Yes, yeah, so the Mandela effect is uh, this concept that you you have a very concrete memory of something, but you you find out later that your memory was totally wrong, and it's kind of like a widespread memory. Um, so the Mandela effect, the name, I believe it comes from Nelson Mandela. Yes, because people were spelling his name incorrectly for years. It's because everybody thought he had died when he hadn't. Right, that's what it yeah. was, yeah. And that, it came to light when he did die. And I thought he died years ago. Yeah. And it was so many people that's like, what even it was. quoting the same date and everything. And there yeah. are some conspiracy theorists who think that it's like a divergent timeline and it's like mm-hmm. a slips from other dimensions coming in. And who knows, maybe that's true. Yeah, yeah. So the big one was the, the Berenstein Bears series of children's books. Apparently, they're spelled Berenstain, like S-T-A-I-N. But most people, myself included, remember it as Steen, like S-T-E-I-N. Yeah. Yeah. Like an actual name. Yeah, Berenstein. I mean, that's why it probably people think that is because that's how you would spell any name that mm-hmm. ends with Steen, except for obviously Springsteen. Yeah. How about Bedtime Stories? Did you watch that? I did. I watched, uh, did they do two seasons of it or was it just one? I've only watched the Toes one. Oh, okay. I've watched, I watched the first season of it. I can't remember if they've done multiple seasons. I, I'm a really big horror fan. Um, so it was like a perfect melding for me of like weird horror stuff with Tim and Eric sensibilities. Did you watch Mandy? I haven't yet. My partner just saw it and loved it and I really want to go see it. It's top top five, maybe top two movies I've seen this year. Really? Uh, and the person who made Too Many Cooks, the Owl Swim promo, mm-hmm. made a short that is within the movie. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, God, now I really have to go see it. And Mandy. it opens with a, a King Crimson song. Huh. 
It's amazing. That's incredible. Okay, now I I really wanted to see it. Now I like have to go see it. They are playing it at the Rio, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's been playing a few nights. That that was when my partner went to see it. He went I to wish the Rio. I'd seen it at the cinema, but I also enjoyed seeing it from the comfort of my own home. Yeah. Yeah, there's no douchebags around. That's a good point. I love going to the cinema, but every time I go, I get really annoyed. Even at the Rio? Sometimes especially. We saw uh, Climax, the mm-hmm. uh, new film by the fellow who made Irreversible. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I haven't. It's really good. But the whole time, there was these two Canadians behind us speaking French. Oh. The whole time. And I was really, like attempted to turn around and tell him to shut up and I, I was complaining to Talia about it afterwards and she didn't realize she just thought it was part of the movie <laughs> just like the french whispering yeah. in the background yeah. i'm much more uh, attuned to um annoyances much to my own chagrin fair enough yeah we had that we just went to see suspiria at the rio oh the new one yeah is it good so good so it it took me about three to four days to realize that i enjoyed it because it's so like it's very intense. I've got to see um, it. Is it is it on like Google Play or anything? I don't think so yet. I'm not sure. Like it just M- came Mandy's out. Mandy's like same day release. Yeah, um, I, I don't think this was a same day release. Um, but it's it's at, at the Rio and I believe International Village right now. But yeah, it was, I loved it. But there were these two people in the back who kept like, so there's a whole thing in the movie where Tilda Swinton plays like three characters. No spoilers though, please. No spoilers at okay. all. She plays multiple characters and she plays them, but they're credited as made-up actors. Right. So there's one character who who she plays where the makeup is not amazing. And people were kind of like laughing behind us at this character. And it's like this really intense, the whole movie is very intense. Like I could feel like after it was done, I had to like consciously unclench my whole body because I was just like so stiff from just like holding in all this tension. From the people um, behind you or the film? From the movie. From right. the movie. Um, but the people behind me were just like laughing so hard. My partner's like a, a film purist and he kept like turning around and like shushing them and they just wouldn't stop. Yeah. So I, I, I think sometimes the crowd at that theater, I think it's just a big pothead crowd. Yeah. So it's people who get high. And people go there to watch Rocky Horror or The Room and it's, they've yeah. got this, uh, audience participation mm-hmm. level to it, mm-hmm. which is fun when yeah. it's warranted, but when it's not, it's the worst. Yeah. Like when it's Suspiria, it's like, this is not, you're not going to throw spoons at the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I got a beer can thrown in my head at the room for being obnoxious. Not at the oh. Rio, at uh, Luna Palace Cinemas in Leaderville, Western Australia. A uh, full beer can unopened. What? Yeah, and they said I was being obnoxious. But it's like everybody in Everyone's here is obnoxious. being obnoxious. Yeah. Maybe I was being extra obnoxious. Who knows? Anyway, sorry to that person. I, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> it's been an amazing year for horror. It has been. Did it come out this year? I think it came out last year. Right. Because I watched it with my parents at but Christmas. But Hereditary, have you watched that? Oh my god, I loved that Hereditary. That fucked me up. Oh, I it was fucked up. I haven't been that scared of horror since The Babadook. Oh, wow. Which really fucked me up. Yeah. I think Babadook is scarier in Australia because, like, you live there. Yeah. And then Haunting of Hill House, have you watched it? Not yet, but I, I really want to watch amazing. it. amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was rushing home from work to keep watching it. We watched it all in about three or four days oh, last wow. week, and it was fucking me up. I was scared of the dark again. It was actually ruining my day. Wow. Like, I was having nightmares and stuff. I was like, this is ruining my life. I can't wait for it to be over. And now we're rewatching Trailer Park Boys as a palate cleanser. Nice. Yeah, I I find I don't get, like, scared by media very often. I just enjoy, like, horror-based media. The only piece of media that has, like, genuinely terrified me um was they made a playable teaser trailer for the silent hill game that was going to come out that got canceled called pt um they released it like no advertisement whatsoever on ps4 it just showed up just like pt that's all it was no one knew what it was um and it's just this game where you're walking continually in a circle in this house where like you kind of learn through like there's a radio playing and like you kind of pick up clues that the family who lived here was murdered. And eventually there's a weird Silent Hill, like, demon fetus that you find. And there's this ghost that keeps chasing you. And it's, I have never been, like, more shaken. This was a game where if you paused the game, you could still die. Wow. Like, yeah. And, like, there was, no one knew how to beat the trailer. There were rumors that you had to, like, plug in a mic and talk to the ghost which is what people were saying they did. And then once you beat it, it was just a trailer for the new Silent Hills game, which got canceled, which was going to be produced by um, Guillermo del Toro. 
So it's like my a one of I think one of the biggest video game losses was the fact that that game didn't come out, and two probably the scariest media experience I've ever had. Yeah, like, I still there's this image of this like ghost woman standing in a hallway and she's like eight feet tall. And it's like the lighting is so like photorealistic. At Christmas, I was going to the bathroom and I glanced through our hallway and saw our, our Christmas tree in the living room and just like almost lost my shit because I thought it was the ghost. Um, yeah, it just it just terrified me. You ever yeah. watch any Josh stuff? I have tried to watch some of the Josh stuff. I'm not as into it. I've watched, what is it? It's like Doctor, it's the one where Eric Wareham's playing a doctor. I've only seen the uh, cooking show one. Yeah, I haven't watched the cooking show. There's one where Wareham plays a doctor, which is like pretty funny. I think I just like that because I love the public access aesthetic of Awesome Show. And I think that that's like kind of my main point of entry for Tim and Eric. I think they're very funny writers and I've, I've watched some of the Josh stuff, but yeah, I've just never gotten into it the same way that I got into Awesome Show. I think there's an element of that they're too famous now. I think so. Like uh, in the later seasons of Jackass when they couldn't do the street stuff as much because everybody knew Johnny yeah. Knoxville. Yeah. And they even knew like Spike Jones's grandma and, mm-hmm. and the grandpa. What are you working on right now? What am I working on? Mostly just school stuff right now. I'm writing a... When, when does that come out? School stuff? Um, yeah. Okay, well, we're looking at December for finals. And then next semester starts in January. Yeah, so I mean, ideally, because I'm going part-time, it'll be coming out in the next 6 to 12 years when I'll be done. Yeah, I'm writing a sketch comedy show with Brett Skillen right now. Um, and we're doing it on November 23rd um, at Little Mountain Gallery. And so that's kind of the big project I've been working on producing that show is there anything you'd like to plug other than that not really no just that show uh you can find me on twitter at at marta wes um i'll post if i'm doing shows and stuff or just dumb jokes is that because wesselhoff was taken or you wanted people to be able to spell it i wanted people to be able to spell it it's just it's just hasselhoff with wes instead of Hass. thank you every (laughs) single person who gets confused i just say it's hasselhoff with a we instead of an ha i was trying to work that in the intro but i thought it might be a bit too passe yeah that's, yeah. that's fine. I understand. Well, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thank you for having me. This was great. That was Marta Wesselhoff talking about Tim and Eric. We're taking a little mid-season break to prepare for a new project on the Cave Goblin Network starting January of 2019, so there won't be an episode next week. You can follow the show at Comedy Zeitgeist and me at Doug Vandalay. Make sure to check out all the other shows on the Cave Goblin Network. We recently added both DMs of Vancouver and Podcast vs. Podcast to the stable. And as always, Everything Economics with Talia Murdoch. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.